Revelation chapter 22, we've come as far as verse 6. Let's read the verse 12. It says, And he said to me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants, plural, including us, the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. We really come to the epilogue, the end of the book, the wrapping up the last series of exhortations given to us. Uh, As we come to the end of verse 5 and 22, it really ends the description of the city and our future home. And then a series of exhortations are given. And they're in three contexts. One of the contexts is over and over it tells us we can trust these things. This word is inerrant. This is going to happen. Bet on it. The, The idea is this is trustworthy. Second thing, it's in the context of imminence. It says, I'm coming. You need to think about this. I'm coming quickly. That has to be part of the way that you live. And then thirdly, there is a warning for the ungodly and a promise to the believer that that they're going to determine their destiny in this. Those who turn away from him, they have a responsibility in that process. So interesting as we begin, look, there's no book of the Bible that is more self-authenticating than this epilogue. There's no book of the Bible that takes the time at its close to say, this is true. This is what you need to believe. These things are for you, spoken directly to you. It's interesting if we look through the end here in uh, verses 7 to 20, we have the word book, scroll, book, eight times. In verse 7 you have it, in verse 9 you have it, in verse 10 you have it, in verse 18 you have it twice, verse 19 you have it three times. Uh, The idea is it's talking about a book. And it doesn't say John went back to Patmos and then kind of tried to figure out this whole vision. No, he wrote it as it was being given to him. And as he closes his writing, it mentions the book eight times here. It's a completed work as he's, as he's writing the epilogue. It mentions that this book happens to be the testimony of Jesus Christ. It should be important to us. 
it's, it says this in these verses about, it says, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel, notice, to testify unto you these things in the churches. And it says down in verse 18, For I testify, Jesus speaking, unto you, to every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And then again it says down in verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Clearly tells us three times here <clears throat> that this book, this book of Revelation, is the testimony of Jesus himself. This is his testimony to us. You you know, people have a testimony. Well, I was doing this, yeah, and I was, you know, an alcoholic, and then this happened, and the Lord saved me. And just people have a testimony. He says, This book is his testimony. From incarnation to savior to rising to rapture to authority to judgment to millennium to the holy city to the close of the book. This is his testimony. And that should be important to us. He cares about every one of us in this room today. And this is his testimony for us. It mentions in regards to that these things seven times. Things, uh, verse 6, these things, verse 7, twice. Uh, these things in verse 16, these things in verse 18, these things in verse 19. Uh, these things in verse 20, that the things that are here are from the book, and these things are to be things that we understand. And then six times the logos, the word, is used. If you look in verse 6 where it says sayings, and then again in verse 7 it says sayings, verse 9 it says sayings, verse 10 it says sayings, four times in five verses, that word each time is logoi or logon or logos. It is the word of God. In fact, over in verses 18 and 19, twice it's translated words. Anybody who hears these words, that's the same word. The logos, the word of God. It, it deals with the sayings, these sayings of the things that we've seen. These sayings are the testimony of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus is contained within this book. That should make it very important to all of us as we look through. Verse 6 begins by saying, And he said unto me, These, thing, these sayings are faithful and true. We should not doubt that. In chapter 19, verse 11, it talks about the one who came on the horse the, the white horse, and it says his name was faithful and true. So, of course, the things he says are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets has sent his angel to show unto his servants, plural, that's us, the things which must shortly be done. So, if they must be done, it means the divine program is already fixed. This is not going to change. This is going to happen. The divine program is already written out. It's already fixed. Satan can't change the Antichrist number from 666 to 667. This is going to roll out exactly like it says it's going to roll out. These things, heaven says, must come to pass. And then it says they must shortly come to pass. And the idea when it says that is, 
There's no intervening prophetic event that needs to take place between this morning and when Christ comes for his church. There's no intervening thing. These things are going to happen shortly. They're going to happen quickly once they begin. And there isn't anything else we need to look for around us. No, no, this can happen today. It can happen now. In verse 7, Jesus says there, Behold, I come quickly. In verse 12, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Then down in verse 20, he says, Surely, he changes behold to surely, surely I come quickly. Verse 7, behold, you need to be thinking about this. You need to consider this. That's what beholding is. It's an imperative here. You need to be thinking about this. And when you turn on the news, you watch what's going on in the world, how frustrating it all is, how seductive it all is. You need to be thinking about this. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Sounds good, doesn't it? I come quickly. And then he said, blessed is he that keepeth the things or these sayings of the prophecy of this book. Blessed is he that keepeth. It's interesting because in chapter one, it said, blessed are those who read and those who hear and those who keep the things in this book. That's plural throughout. For those anywhere that read, those anywhere that hear, those that then keep guard. Now, the reading, the hearing is over. We've been in this book for months together, reading week in and week out, hearing week in and week out. No more reading and hearing in this last beatitude. Jesus personally speaks this beatitude, blessed there's one more, but this is this one is the final one he speaks personally. He says, blessed are those who keep the things in this book. Blessed is he, I'm sorry, singular, that keepeth, is constantly keeping. So the plural's gone. The responsibility's on you now. We've heard, we've read. There's only the keeping that's left. It's a, it means to guard. It can be a military word. It means to hold tightly or hold closely. It means to make it your own, to keep. And it's speaking about a lifestyle here because it's the present tense, keepeth. So blessed is he that continually keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. That's, that's what we got. That's what we got as we look at the crazy world we're living in. People will say to me, what do we do? How do we respond to this? How do we just... No, it's not important how you respond to the horizontal. It's important how you respond to the vertical. Because we can know that for sure. We're not always sure on the horizontal how to respond. But we can be sure on the vertical how we should respond. And some of that vertical response plays out into the horizontal. But he's saying this is what you need to think about in the last days, in the days... This is what you need to think about. I'm coming quickly. And this beatitude, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings, lagas, of the prophecy of this book. He says, I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet 
of the angel which showed me these things. He said, he said, I, John. Now, it's emphatic there. He's kind of saying, me, the old fisherman. If you can imagine, me, I, John. I saw these things. And it's the first time he mentions himself since chapter 1, where he said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Verse 4, he says, John to the seven churches. Verse 9, he says, I, John, whom also your brother and companion in tribulation. He doesn't name himself anywhere else until he gets here. And now, like, the whole thing's been played out in front of him. And he says, I, John. The, the seven churches in Asia knew him and loved him and respected him. His immediate readers were going to be those churches and he's saying to them, you guys, me, I did. I saw it. This is real. I was there. I was caught up. I saw it. I heard it. And not just to those readers. He's saying it to you and I this morning as well. I was there. I was taken into this. I heard it. I saw it. I recorded it. I, John, saw these things. The catching away of the church, the Lord in his glory, the judgments of the tribulation, the millennial kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth, the holy city Jerusalem with all of its glory in the presence of the Lord. He said, I saw it. I saw these things and I heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Now, It doesn't say, we're not sure, that he fell down to worship the angel. He had done that in 19 and got yelled at by the angel. It may just be saying he fell down at the feet of the angel where he was worshiping God. Not sure, but the angel knows even that is not proper. It shouldn't be happening. But he says, I fell down there at the feet of the angel. And he says, now it's the angel that showed me these things. Which takes us back to chapter 21, verse 9, where the angel comes, one of the last seven angels that had the vials, and said, I will show thee these things. So he says, it's this angel that showed me these things. And he said, I fell down there at his feet. And it says in verse 9, then he said unto me, see thou do it not. For I am, the Greek just says, see not. See thou do it not gives the sense. For I am thy fellow slave, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep, blessed is he who keepeth, of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. So there in that verse, There's two imperatives. Imperatives are things, this is what you need to do. There's two of them there. The first one is, see thou do it not. That's imperative. Do not do this. Make sure. This is something, do not do this. You're falling down on my feet. Don't worship. See thou do it not. That's an imperative. It's a command. You need to understand this is not to be done. And then the second imperative is worship God. This is what you must do. You must worship God. 
And he says to John, I am of thy, I'm a fellow bondservant, slave, a doulos. I also am a slave. Hebrews 1.14 says that angels, they're ministering spirits, sent forth to minister to the, the heirs of salvation. Isn't it interesting here as we look at this angel, this mighty angel, one of these angels had the seven last plagues. No matter how exalted the position is of an angel of God, they are not hesitant at all to call themselves a slave. It is an honor for that angel. I am of your fellow slaves. John, like you, like those who, the prophets, like those who keep the things written in this book. The angel said, compared to the one we're serving, I am the same as y'all. I'm sure he didn't say y'all, but it just helps. Here. He said, he said, I am the same. And the interesting thing is we look at the verse 2. As we see this, and he says, don't do this. You don't need an angel in this. Just worship God. It's also a reproof to the church in our day that thinks you need certain aids to worship. You need soft music. You need ambiance. You need incense. You know, you need the right kind of lighting. There's, there's people actually, the blood of Christ isn't enough. You need an interior designer to get you to God's presence. No, if, if, if one of God's holy angels ain't enough to, to create the right atmosphere of worship, then there ain't nothing that human beings are doing on the horizontal. But it's a shame, isn't it? There are whole things built around that. And look, you know, it's going to tell us here that these words, these sayings, they're to be kept. They're to be treasured. And we live at a time when so much of the church doesn't teach it. They won't acknowledge the book of Revelation. It's hard to understand. It's symbolic. Everybody interprets it a different way. It doesn't say nothing about that here. Seven times it's the Lagos. Eight times it's the book. Over and over it's these things. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so sad how much of the church will blow this off. But they'll have incense. They'll have the right ambiance. They'll have everything that they think creates an atmosphere of worship when all it needs to be is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the angel makes sure that John understands that. It's an interesting picture here. And verse 10 says, And then he said unto me, Now some say, well, this is God speaking, because the angel ended by saying, Worship God, and then this conjunction, stay there. And, and some think it's still the angel speaking. Either way is fine with me. You can have your opinion here, because the same thing is said. And the angel's not saying anything that God doesn't say. So he saith, he kept saying unto me, Seal not the sayings, the logos, of the prophecy of this book. There's a reason. For the time is at hand. He tells them, don't seal these things up. These things are to be taught. 
They're to be brought in the open. They're to be preached. They're to be delivered to the church. Don't seal these things up. They're not to be sealed up. It's very interesting in contrast to Daniel, who tells us this in chapter 8, verse 26. And the vision of the evening and morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision. Reason? For it shall be for many days. That's the reason there. For it shall be for many days. In Daniel chapter 12, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. For many will will run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. So there it says that the words are to be sealed up until the time of the end. You and I appreciate the book of Daniel more than the current generation did when it was there. Verse 9 in chapter 12 says, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel. The reason? For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So Daniel's prophecies, the angel tells him, they're sealed up to the end. It was, it's in the last days when we've seen the rebirth of the nation of Israel. You know, we've seen the, the sequence of world empires that have gone by. We see what's happening in these days, these descriptions of the Antichrist and so forth from Daniel. He says to Daniel, seal them up because they're not to deal with you and your generation. They're for the last generation. It's something different here. He says in verse 10, And he said unto me, Seal not, great contrast to Daniel, the sayings of the prophecy of this book, and here's why he says it. For the reason is, the time is at hand. Daniel sealed them up because the time's not at hand. Jesus says here, or the angel, don't seal them up, for the time is at hand. It's very interesting. For time there, he uses keros. In the Greek, there's keros and chronos. You know, Paul said to the Thessalonians, to us, you have no need, brethren, that I write unto you concerning times, chronos, and seasons, keros, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Right? That means before the service is over. Like a thief in the night. So chronos, times and seasons, times are just long, undefined periods of time which certainly has gone by since Paul wrote Thessalonians. But times and seasons, keros, the seasons mark off these long periods of time. And when Israel was reborn as a nation in 1948, a season began. And it marked off these long, endless periods of time because there had to be the Jews in the last day. There had to be the nation of Israel. There had to be Jerusalem, a stumbling block of the nations, a cup of trembling. There had to be intrigue over the nation of Israel. There had to be the people speaking their original language back in the land and so forth. A miraculous thing has happened in our generation, and it's now a season that we're in, and it is the season of the return of our Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says to John here, he says, look, seal not up the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And here's the reason. For the season is at hand. It's upon us. Right now, that season is upon us. Everything the scripture says about the last days, it's upon us. Jesus described things that would be going on 
Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, the last days are going to be perilous. Turn on the news, men will be lovers of money, haters of family, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, lovers of themselves, heart problem every time, lovers. That's where we live. These are the last days. They're perilous times. And we are in the season that the Lord said we, were, we would be in. Because look, so many of us, you know, we have kids. I can't imagine. We just dedicated Jordan today. I can't imagine raising a little kid in this world. Everything that washes over them through the media, in school, this insanity. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we stand in the middle of this? What, what do we do with everything that's washing over us? Well, we know one thing. We need to be familiar with this book because this is a book that's not to be sealed up. And the reason for that is we are in the season that is described. And these things have to be important to us. He moves on to say this. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly. Listen, verse 10 ends with imminency. The time is at hand. Verse 12 begins with urgency. I'm coming quickly. Between imminency and urgency is this challenge to people about the way they live. You're going to respond one way or another. We're in the times. It surrounds us. He's coming quickly. These things are going on. We're in the season. The time is at hand. Uh, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do with that? There's people who make fun of the book of Revelation they hate the church. They hate Christianity. Understand the culture that we're in today that's around us. We hear so much about socialism. And I'm not against socialists. But I understand the origins of socialism. Billy Graham, when he went to Russia, took a lot of heat from the church for going into a communist country and when he was questioned about it, he wept. And he said, communists need to hear the gospel too. So people are people. But there is a philosophy. Understand that. Marx, Lenin. Over 40% of millennials and Gen Z approve of socialism. That's the next generation coming behind us. Karl Marx was a beast. He hated Christ and he hated the church. He was a cheerleader for Satan. He is buried in the main satanic cemetery in London. He never bathed. He never worked a day in his life. That's why he thought everything should be free. His wife wanted to die. Both of his daughters committed suicide. He didn't bathe. He was foul. He stunk. And he's more effective today than he was when he lived. 
and we are surrounded with it. Understand the world that we're living in and the philosophy of the things around us. Look, one of his main things is he knew for socialism, Marxism, communism to overtake a nation, there had to be division. You can't let anybody have a national identity or a history. You have to destroy that. So the tenets of Marxism, socialism, you know, Saul Alinsky, you know, in his book dedicated to Satan, uh, is divide. I'm saying this because it can't happen here among us. That is the philosophy that we are surrounded with. Let's make Republicans and Democrats hate each other. This line has to be sharp and filled with venom. And sadly, during the last election, people were constantly bringing me Twitter and Facebook of people in our church bad-mouthing people with a different political position. The church, Calvary Chapel, slandering, gossiping, about somebody who had a different political position than they did, which is heartbreaking. It can't happen here. We are surrounded with a philosophy that wants to cause division. Racism. Make people hate each other. And the really sad part of that is when everything is racism, then there's no racism. When you can identify what's wrong and seek to correct it, and there's a lot wrong, then you can do that. But when everything's under one broad swipe, it only produces hatred and division, not change. Stray, the, the, the gays and the straights hate each other. That's, that's what they want. That's what they're doing. It doesn't give us a chance to share the love of Christ. That division now has come down to vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. Sad. It goes on here, and it shouldn't. Guys, there's no room for any of this here. Jesus said that all men would know we're his disciples by the love we have one for another. There's people here getting vaccinated. There's people here who aren't. There's people here who are African-American or Indian or Asian or Caucasian. We're all here together. It's one family. What, go, what gets dictated out there under the context of socialism and Marxism to div- divide and destroy a nation, it shouldn't divide and destroy us as the body of Christ. What binds us together is way more powerful than what separates than what separates them. In the last 50 years, under communism, socialism, over 100 million people have been put to death. Hitler doesn't even measure up. It is deadly. It is foul. Distribution of wealth. Nobody has the right to private ownership. It destroys. Look at anywhere. It hasn't worked. It's destroyed nations. It's destroyed 
people, defund the police. That's part of this whole deal. Tear down statues because you want to destroy history. And you need to learn from your history that's good and from your history that's bad and evil. You need to learn. So you don't repeat those things. You destroy all of that. You tear all of that down. And the nuclear family has no place. You think marriages between a husband and a wife, you think you should have a right to raise your kids the way you want to, you know, to keep your home. No, no, there's no place for that anymore. And this is the cancel culture. If you disagree with anything they're saying, they turn you off, they take you off Twitter, they take you off Facebook, they won't put you in the news. You know, it's the cancel culture. That's socialism, it's communism. My neighbor is from Russia. He said, I love this country. I came here to get away from this. He said, I've lived through this in Russia. He said, when they take over the media, they have the country. And he said, how could this be happening here? Tears in his eyes. We're friends. What do we do about that? It's not our job. It's not our job. It tells us here. How do we move forward? He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. There's four imperatives there. Let, 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 let. It means to allow. And the Greek scholars tell us those are imperatives of permission and they are not imperatives of command. What it says is you need to allow. You need to allow the unjust to be more and more unjust, the filthy to be more and more filthy, the righteous to be more and more righteous, and the holy to be more and more holy. It is a divine permission given for you and I to withdraw any attempt to change men. There are wheat and there are tares, and we are in the season where the Lord actually grants to those who want to, to be unjust and leave him, he actually says, I will honor your decision. That is terrifying. It's terrifying. It tells us here, between this is the time and I come quickly, here's a big picture. Understand this. You're my church. You're my bride. You're my sons and daughters. You're my flock. And the world you live in, in this season... The, the, those things that are bad are going to go from bad to worse. You, you don't have any control over that. You have to stand back. You have to understand the course that we're on. All of these things written are going to take place. But let the righteous be more righteous. Those of you who are righteous through your faith in Jesus Christ and the shed blood of the cross, grow in that. Grow in that. You can do that. Grow in that. Those of you that are holy, you're separated to Jesus. Be holier. Be more separated. Isn't that what's happening as we're watching the world and the pandemic? We're, we're kind of more separated than we were. And we should do that. You can pray. You can pray. The Lord knows we know so little of the power and the effect of prayer. One of my friends in ministry for years, his father was 87, had started church all over the country. He was filled with cancer. And we talked on the phone. And he said, look, understand this. Prayer can change natural law and human government. He said, prayer can heal me if God wants to heal me. Prayer can change natural law. 
And prayer can change human government. So what you and I can do is we can pray, Ezekiel 22:30. We can pray. God's looking for someone to do that, the word says. We can fellowship. We're told not to neglect the gathering together ourselves, especially as we see the day drawing near. And if you're listening somewhere else, take this to heart, please. We can love one another and give to one another. If somebody's in the hospital, someone's suffering, we can do that. We can care. We can give. We can stand up to lies. We don't have to endorse lies. We don't have to embrace lies. We don't have to say, I believe that. We still have enough freedom to say, I don't agree with that. I believe this. And one person sometimes standing up, telling the truth, can change things beyond what we imagine. So what do we do? Let this. It's an imperative. Allow it. You can't change it. Allow it. It's insanity. That's not up to you. You don't have that within your power. Allow that. Don't let it sink you. Those that are filthy, they're going to get more filthy. Allow that. But those that are righteous, let them be more righteous. Those that are holy, let them be more dedicated, more set aside for me. And he says again, behold, this is Jesus speaking again, I come quickly. The only thing that can refer to three times here is the rapture of the church. There is no intervening prophetic scenario that needs to take place between when these things were said and when Christ comes like a thief in the night for his bride. Behold, I come quickly. You've got to think about this. Do you think about it? If you're thinking about that, you ain't going to be smoking dope. You ain't going to be sleeping around. You're not going to be out getting high. You're not going to be watching pornography. You're not going to be doing... If you behold this, if you really think about this, if you set your mind on this, he's coming quickly. Look, I'm telling you too. Look at the world we're living in. He could come today. I hope he comes before the sermon's over so I can say, told you. (laughs) Right? He could come at any moment. He says it's going to be like a thief in the night. There's going to be a preemptiveness about it. If he waits much longer, we're all going to be saying, yo, Lord, what's Gibbs? Where are you? You know, it doesn't seem that's going to be the atmosphere. It's going to be even the, the, the virgins with oil in their lamps had to be awakened when the bridegroom came. He says here, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. No. Oh depending on how we live, there's a reward for the wicked and there's a reward for the righteous. And he says this, my reward is with me to give to, now every man is actually each man, it's singular, according to his singular work, singular shall be. So so the Lord says, I'm coming and, and I'm Fair. They're, they're, I'm not going to. And, and look, for you and I, rewards are never salvation. Our salvation is not a reward. It's a free gift. But our service for Christ produces rewards. At the beam of throne of Christ, we will be rewarded. Some of us, it says our works only burn up like wood, hay, stubble. But the soul itself will be saved. Some of us are getting in with our robes smoking. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
What do we do? Serve Jesus with all of your heart, mind, and soul, your strength. What do we do? Stand up and tell the truth. What do we do? Pray. What do we do? Stay in the scripture. What do we do? Don't neglect the gathering together of ourselves. What do we do? Love one another. Look, I have someone who's come, and I'm not sure if they're here today, but they've come up to me after church and said, look, I'm not a believer. I don't believe what you believe, but I am so sick of everybody out there fighting and killing each other. He said, this is the one place I come where everybody seems to believe the same thing. He said, I believe what you all believe is wrong, but at least you all believe the same thing. He said, "He said there's a different atmosphere when I come here. Everybody's on the same page. I can't find that out there anywhere. And Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Marxism and its influences have no place in the church of Jesus Christ. It is a philosophy that hates Christ and hates Christianity. And one of its main points, one of its main agendas is to cause division. And it's happening all across the board now. We can't let that happen. We have to come here and love one another. Whatever our difference is, we're to love one another. Because what we have in common far outweighs whatever we may not have in common. Right? Jesus is coming, guys. He's coming. He tells us to be watching, to be waiting, to be expectant. Tells us he's coming quickly. He says, you have the words of scripture. You have these sayings. You have my testimony. I'm coming. And what things he's placed in front of us. The rapture of the church. The judgment of the nations. The millennial reign of Christ. The new heavens and the new earth. The holy city, Jerusalem, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500, coming down out of heaven on a new earth. John said, when I saw this stuff, I fell on my face. Imagine what's ahead of us. And then 30-year-old bodies. I can't wait. I don't have to live in denial anymore. Imagine what that will be like, you know, glorified bodies. Everybody will be able to sing Everybody will have hair where they should. You know, just just imagine what that will be like to stand shoulder to shoulder in this kingdom. To worship the king. It says in Ephesians, there are good works foreordained that you should walk in them. And that he rewards us for the things that he prepared for us to do. You can't beat that system. We are his workmanship, his poema, and that there are good works that are foreordained for you and I to walk in. Then he rewards us for them. He loves us. We're his children. We're his bride. Look, he's coming quickly. I get disturbed, you know. Uh, my wife will yell, turn that news off. I can't listen to it. I can't watch it. It makes me crazy sometimes. I want to turn it on because I want to be crazy. I want to see what's going on, you know. It's, it's addicting, you know. 
But it just, I have to say, wait, this has to weigh more. This has to speak louder. This has to be the news. This is the news. Jesus is coming. That's the news. But he says you have to behold that. You need to think about that. I'm coming quickly. Because our minds tend to go in all kinds of directions. There's a course for us. Let's be more and more committed. Let's be more and more dedicated. Let's be more and more holy, more and more righteous. Let's pray more. Let's fellowship more. Let's read more. Let's love more. Let's speak the truth more. We, that's a course for us in the middle of all of this. And God chose us for such a time as this. Who knows what one voice, one prayer, one bit of koinonia may produce. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these things as we look at them. Lord, you're, you're so concise. You're so pointed. Lord, your Holy Spirit so takes these things and drives them home in our hearts, Lord. It's so honed, Lord. The, the edge of your sword is wetted, Lord, so much so that it divides down in us between that which is soulish and that which is spiritual, Lord. Lord, allow us, Lord, whatever time is left, Lord, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of who you are. Let us run this last lap with all of our might, Lord Jesus. With all of our might, Lord. You said to occupy till you came. Lord, you said when the Son of Man returns, will he find the faith on the earth? Lord Jesus, find us busy about your Father's business when you come. Let us live with hearts and heads lifted up in anticipation. You have to do that in us, Lord. We're like little kids. We're distracted by everything that's around us. As parents, we ask our kids so many times, what did I tell you to do? And Lord, you've told us what to do here. By your grace, Lord, let these things be real in our hearts and lives. We pray in your name. Amen.